0: Welcome to Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part three of three parts, the concluding section of this podcast from June 6, 2016, William Hooker and Steve Dalachinsky, my guests on the topic of Cecil Taylor. If you haven't listened to parts one and two, you might want to go back and listen to them. You'll get everything in sequence. Also, uh, I give you a little bit of an introduction at the top of part one to who Steve was and his work and um, well you can take it any way you want Uh, you can find us at uh, Deep Focus Podcast on your favorite podcasting app that's our name also on Instagram and you can always get the podcast at our hosting site which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com okay part three William Hooker and Steve Delchinsky on the topic of Cecil Taylor June 6, 2016, it's Deep Focus.
1: Notations, you know, for the music. They're all on scrap paper. They're all written, um, some of which I'm sure only he can uh, actually see what he wrote.
2: Well, just like he brings in his boys Boisendorfers, this time I'm bringing in my, my yes. Ludwig's.
0: Now, why, how come it used to seem like Ludwig's? <laughs> <laughs> my, no, I better not say it oh, on okay. the air. <laughs> no, but go. What? It used to seem like Ludwig's were the only drums there were. Everybody played Ludwig's. Not everybody, but everybody, but everybody played them. Yeah. And uh, what that that changed over the years, I guess. Well, technology well, you know, changes. The, exactly, styles tec- change.
2: Exactly. Wood changes. Yeah.
0: But that am I it, right? I mean, we you and playing And also, drums, another
2: thing that changes very interestingly enough. Yeah. I'm glad you bring this up. The sound changes because what we begin, what we what we are more in tune with is the European sound of recording. Ah which in many cases is compressed. Yes. Yes. Which in many cases yes. is smaller than it's supposed to be. But yes. I'm sure if you actually listen to like the pygmy music of UNESCO oh, yeah, that's yeah. been documented yeah. Yeah. that is some loud music. Yeah. These are pygmies playing, mind you. This isn't like I'm not talking about like soul percussion. I'm talking about <laughs> pygmies. Well, you know that's serious stuff. That's what I learned. You know, I didn't learn this. Well, you no, still no, have no, go I'm, with I'm this. Oh, i always smile <laughs>
1: because I have to suppress making bad jokes. No, but start. you get my point. What I'm trying to <laughs> say, yeah. though, this yeah, is yeah, what yes. of this
2: is. What this is what I learned. Well, I you mean, I, you, I, you always
0: take delight in these uh, little uh, Shannon Jackson aphorisms that emerge from me sometimes. Something Shannon used to say what? was that drums we were listening to a drummer i won't name okay i'm sorry and, and i mentioned him he quick. he almost never said anything negative about anybody but he thought it <laughs> and if you knew him you could hear him thinking it uh-huh. and uh he it took he took great offense that this guy was like tapping at the drums and he he got <laughs> irked he said these instruments were created for communicating across great distances because this yeah. was not, this oh, is, know you know, about Sonny <laughs> he was not talking about <laughs> Sonny Murray. Sonny Murray once told me he's
1: done that.
0: And he said, you know, he said, yeah, because you've got you to gotta really pound that thing to get the sound out of it, to make it ring.
1: Well, Robert
0: not Trump, only
2: that, yeah. not only that, not only that, but no, I'm glad and, that he and, said and that. And talk about the dynamic range you of the instrument. It. I'm glad you, thank you. Yes. I'm glad you caught that, because you know something? The thing that people, the thing that people don't recognize is the fact that I'm taking my drums because if I use brushes, my drum speaks back to me. I don't have to fight it.
1: This is just what I was going to say next. This is perfect. You finish your sentence. Because that's the word I was going to use with something Cecil told me after his second set. Okay, now if I use a a
2: mallet, if I use a mallet, you see? I don't have to feel as if the energy, and this is another kind of energy, as you know. This mm-hmm. is, as I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, there's another kind of energy. It's not energy of, like, the body. It's not the energy of the body, even though you have to keep your body together to be able to do it. I gotta say that. But once you get into it, you get into the music... It takes you, it takes you someplace. It takes you, you may not even want to go there, but you wind up there anyway. And then if you use a mallet, and I want to communicate in, in the most cascading way mm. to actually have the trumpet player realize that he could step up to the next level to play the next change. The change in the music I'm talking about. Or... Or, or or I can deal with the call and response, which is another thing a lot of people don't have to don't have real knowledge of the call and response factor of 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 your, this music of your this energy aesthetic
0: responding to somebody else of
2: this aesthetic of mm-hmm. this yes of this aesthetic of this of this black aesthetic I'll put it that way I mean th- that's what it is you know I remember in church that was what it was and it's always been like that I mean I didn't get into like you know uh you know this this other kind of a ritual which I respect chanting necessarily no it was right call and response that's what it was and if I bring it into this music, if I want to respond to my dancer mm-hmm. and I want to uplift her spirit by using by using the um uh, the mallet. That mallet speaks not only to me but to her in the group and then you being a person in the mm, audience mm, you're mm. going to feel that as well. Mm. And and I got to say those Ludwig they talk to me. They mm-hmm. talk to me. So that's why I'm so happy. I'm so happy because it's all, they're, they're going to they're going to give light. They're going to give light to the
0: evening. <clears throat> Friday night this is going to happen at Judson Memorial Church, 55 Washington Square Park, South. Yeah. Right in the heart of the village. Great place to be Friday night. Yeah. And uh, Vision Festival, you will meet many kindred spirits. You will. It's nice to walk into a place and see all these people who like the things you like.
2: Yeah. It's like it's going not, to Arcosanti.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like you walk
2: in and these are my people.
1: You know, but the thing about mallets, which is really interesting. What about mallets? It was, Cecil did a a series of duets with uh, Elvin at the Blue Notes. Yes, Note. yes. And after about the third time, Elvin only played mallets. And I asked him. Um, you asked Elvin? Yeah. Cause, I mean, I knew Cecil. I didn't really know Elvin, but I went backstage, and I got to talk to Elvin before I, I hung out with Cecil, who talked about a million things. But I... Um, Cecil starts climbing the keys like a stairway, first tiptoeing left-hand meandering accompanied by horse vocalizations, while Elvin using strictly mallets like he's done in most of these sets, pitter-patters like a heartbeat. When I recently had the occasion to ask him why he used the mallets almost exclusively, he ended his statement by saying that these meetings with Cecil were not contests, but had to do more with Accompanying and listening to each other on equal terms. That's
0: exactly what. Well, they, they were. That's by the exactly way, kind of what you're talking exactly about with your relationship William's to the dancer. Yeah.
1: And when you mentioned the word dynamics, what was really interesting for the both sets Cecil played Absolutely. at the Whitney. Yeah. The f- the first piece he played at the Whitney was very soft and slow, and I'm thinking. Ah, well, you know, he hasn't played in a while, except at Ornette's funeral. And, you know, he's using the same kind of language, but, you know, he can't walk that well at this point, so maybe that's what he's doing. But then when the group came on, he played much stronger. But I was watching his fingers all the time, and they were doing what they do a lot, which is kind of dance. Somebody's... Maybe yes, we've there. got our... Uh... Hi. So and, so he was dancing on the keys like he always mm. does. So even when he got f- furious. So <laughs> we're being distracted by aliens from another planet. Or another uh, radio show. But, uh, But then the second time he played, at the end of the week, I said to him later that night after we talked about this eight-page poem that he was so happy to write, I said, you seem to be... Hitting the piano really differently tonight. It felt denser. You say that to him? Yeah. Okay. It felt denser and. What do you say? And this is the thing about the dynamics, and what you just said when you used the word "fight." Yes, yes. His uh-huh. his exact words to me were. Tonight I had to fight the piano. Uh-huh. And I knew, him, and he said, "You got it," and I said yeah, I thought you were like really attacking it in a different way, but why did you have to fight the piano? He said, it just didn't feel the same. It was harder. Well, you know what? And you know why? And I said, you know why that is? And he said, I'm not quite sure, but it just was different. I said, well, that's because someone else played the piano last night. It was the only time during the whole Hmm. week that someone else had played the piano and it's someone we know very well. And I thought that was the same person who might have tuned the piano, but then I realized, oh no, he would be really hip to knowing how to tune the piano so it would be left kind of like it was before well, I'm he played it.
2: i am talking about, I'm talking about the I'm talking about what Coltrane called the offering." Mm. I'm talking about what I'm talking about what Alice Coltrane calls um I can't explain it. I I, I really can't explain it because then I'm I'm referring to things that don't that that I really want to take you with me in this. Um, I do know one thing. I do know that that offering that you're trying to make. It has to be approached with humility, honesty, respect. And heart,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
2: I'm talking about the group, the group ethic, the group ethic. And if I, as the central point of that particular of that particular um, performance, can't set up a platform that is the that is the that is the foundation for a motion a motion sequence. If I can't do that in the best way I can do it with something that is an appendage of my own or an extension of it, then you then then there's this friction. That's when there's a fight. You can win a fight, mm. but you don't want, but I don't perceive I don't perceive that giving in in fight terms. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I so, don't. So, but yeah, so. yeah, it's so, it's so, really so. like mm-hmm. it's really like it's yeah, they, yeah. So, so that's why it's all the more beautiful for me, because I know that my people are there. I know my people are there.
1: Well, those, those people include, in this case, your personal drum kit. Yeah, which helps you, you know, that's your to, instrument. Which yeah, which helps you not to have to sustain a fight yeah yeah, yeah what, which all is that what I is on, right out of which thing. is what I think happened when he didn't know until the last minute he was going to play a second set and within that week something I mean that was that instrument was rented for him the Busendorfer, you know that's his well you that understand. was his instrument for the week because they didn't know how many times he was going to play Wait. it and in fact there was a kind of unspoken rule that week that no one was going to play the piano but him. So it was interesting that the group the night before... Mark played had a, it. Yeah, Mark played the piano, and Mark played it beautifully. Oh, of course, uh, and, of course. But and, and Mark yeah, wasn't me. the one who ended up... He's their piano tuner at the Whitney, trust too, but me. he wasn't the one who tuned it. They brought in some other guy not be, you know, because they wanted to respect Mark's... Being a player that week right. well, So right. whatever well, happened me. It trust was me. not Cecil's instrument anymore So it was almost like In your case If you know They said well I'm sorry man You're going to play that drum well, if you But in the no, me- no, meantime no. Somebody else is going to play it too that's Well there just, have
2: been certain places There have been certain places That you walk in And they give you a choice
1: mm-hmm. You
0: mm-hmm. see yeah. But that's rare Like a festival Or something like that Usually yeah
2: You play at Lincoln Center You got a choice
0: Yeah Right
2: That place you saw him play that that place, the atrium. You got mm-hmm. in there, there's like four drum sets. Right. Which one you want to choose? You know, That's so nice. you have a choice. Yeah. But I mean, in many Still places, just like a though. piano, just like a piano, you go in, you don't know what's you, you, like. You say, the, uh, all right, what did they say? Oh, I don't know if we want Cecil to play here because he breaks pianos. Like me with that whole knitting factory nonsense. Oh man, William Hook, you play too loud. Like I like I like I get up there just to like take. Drums and this, the Who and all of that. I ain't into that. Mm. <laughs> I'm not into that. I'm not into like you know just like just just destroy stuff. No. You never threw a drumstick. Thank at me. you very much. Thank <laughs> you very much, Steve. You get the point. But yeah, I, I but, do get the but, point. But but, yeah. but, but but when you crank it, sometimes it gets like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. But but they don't realize that that they don't realize the dynamics. They don't realize that I could play with the dynamics more, and this is what this is what that particular evening is going to be all about. You know,
1: and and that's also very interesting too when you're talking about dynamics that if we bring it back to Cecil. When Cecil plays, when he plays the piano, let's just stick with the solo thing and compare it to his solo readings of poems. Okay. He plays the piano like the piece we just heard. He starts off a very slow dynamic. Mm -hmm. He builds the dynamic and then the dynamic becomes what most people only think think they're hearing because they forget all the rest of the stuff, which is this furious stuff. It's like when you listen to a, an Isle of Record or Ascension, you, you're always forgetting all the other stuff that's happening because you're hearing that great buildup. But what's very interesting is when... Not C- in my case. No. But go on. But when Cecil reads his poetry... Yes. And, you know, that last night was a perfect example because the music went through many permutations, and then when he started to read, the music just like we're talking about that dynamic you developed and the sound you develop in a group situation, they came to the right place and they knew when to go back up. But his dynamic as a reader yes. is within, within the same level. You know, like I learn different dynamics when I read because of situations and I learned to do what Ted Jones called lifting the word off the page because You know, I want to give the word more life, and I just don't want to sit there anymore and be a plain speaker. And I also don't want to overdo it. But when Cecil reads, he has a very distinct rhythm, just like when he plays, but that rhythm, that dynamic doesn't go through as many changes. Like, if he raises his voice, it's more an emphasis. You know, like, I went to go to the skeletal core of the being. Right. And then, but he never like kills you. Straight out. Yeah. It's, it's all within the same rhythmic dynamic and the same level.
2: Well,
3: I like Whereas that. with his I music,
1: like what could we say? He goes through maybe, yeah. you know, <laughs> a half a dozen different levels, and you do the same thing. Like, well, you, when you're me? building up and coming down. You know,
0: yeah. I, think, uh, I think he's coming back to the stage, I think he's going to do an encore. I'd See? like to hear it. Would you, shall we? Uh-huh.
1: Yes, please.
0: <laughs> We're going back to Rome. Yes, please. Get back in the our <laughs> chopper. Uh-oh. We're taking off for uh, the Teatro Olimpico one more time. i want to give you a test. In the Academia i to give you a test. Yes.
2: All right. All right. And also, i want to give a test to people who's going to be calling up. What's this song? Ba-doom, doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, Let's go back to Teatro.
0: May 16, 2002. Live performance from Cecil Taylor on WKCR. It's Deep Focus William Hooker, Steve Dolichinski, and me, Mitch Goldman, on WKCR. I listened to... We're at the Teatro Olimpico in Rome. Can we get Cecil to come out one more time, Cecil Taylor? Come on, Cecil Taylor, please. One more, one more little one. Here he comes. Cecil Taylor, solo performance in Rome, May of 2002. What a treat! Live music solo performance from Cecil Taylor that none of us had ever heard before. We call the show Deep Focus, and uh, you're finding out why tonight, because William Hooker and Steve Dalachinsky are putting the laser beams on the music of Cecil Taylor. Steve, I uh, want to ask if you had any way of characterizing or any thought about, or William, those little uh, fantastic little encores that he does. He did a little three-minute performance, and the crowd ate that up. And then he came back and just did that. It was like a little—it's uh, just a little little blast of <laughs> earwash there that just kind of uh, just filled the room with a whole different aroma i don't even know how to describe it and then he's gone and that's it well i guess i just answered my own question answer yeah, the next time <laughs> yeah that's, that's
1: that's fine with us i mean what was interesting about that is they did get uh, all th- three or so of them. they got the duration got shorter and shorter but in a way they were all elegant but they even got more elegant and uh it it also reminds me of uh when he played at uh, Ornette's funeral. I mean yeah. he got up there he got up there and for whatever he played five minutes, he just uh you know, he did it you know, he, he told us he you know, he did it you know, for Ornette. He just I was there. Yeah, I mean it was just uh Yeah, these little things, I think he started doing them in the in the nineties. And uh, I don't know why the one I seem to remember clearly is uh, when he did them at um, Alice Tully Hall, he did a a, a solo concert that he and uh, uh, Velabor Padevsky was working with him at the time. And I remember <laughs> what made me feel the saddest about that gig yes. was that they had to rent the hall themselves and have put up their own money for that concert, and I, all I was thinking is, this is not the freaking Dark Age. This is Cecil. I mean, you know, he's got to put up his own money to play in Alice Telly Hall when he should be playing in in the big hall, you know, in every. Yeah, very really interesting. Well, and then Come the only, o- and me. as far as I know, the only other time he played in Lincoln Center was when which was a weird match, when he played uh, opposite Zorn's Masada in in the new Lincoln, the jazz, Center, Lincoln Center, jazz at Lincoln Center. I forgot which room in one of the big rooms. I don't know if it was the Rose Room or the... Uh-huh. One, uh-huh. one of the big rooms. Uh-huh. And it was a strange, you know, combination of, uh, you know, him doing his thing and then Zorn doing his thing. But, it, you know, at least I'm thinking... Well, you know, thankfully he was asked to do this. With those people there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was packed. It was sold. Those were sold out. But uh, Alice Tully Hall was full, but not sold out, which really surprised me. What but was that?
2: What year about? My bra- brain.
1: My belly brain belly is my brain is mush. I remember. I, belly I, I might have very a poem well. in here in the book, but my guess was, was that? Th- Alice Tully Hall might have even. I think it was toward the end of the 90s or early 1000s. I think you're right,
2: I think you're right, Steve, It could have yeah. been after
1: him. 9-11 or pretty much a little I before remember. That. I, remember yeah. I remember, I remember too, I remember. But
2: I remember Velibor though, I remember him. Yeah, yeah,
1: Vellibor was, Vel- Vel- was yeah, uh, working yeah. with him for a while. Yeah. But uh, that's the first time, for some reason, and I, I could be wrong, Mm-hmm. Uh, in my own chronology about this, but it's the first time I remember 100% distinctly him coming out and playing these short pieces. Okay. And I looked at, at Yuko and I said, ah, oh, so Chopin, so classical, the, the language. And it was uh, the same Cecil, but these smaller pieces contained a different kind of elegance, and they didn't go for volume. Very well They put. stayed in this beautiful wavering beyond melodic and lyrical place and going back to the way he reads the poetry Mm -hmm. that same uh, you know when I've thought about it before but that same uh, (coughs) approach where there's you feel the modulation in the voice and but you don't feel this uh, necessity for energy or where the energy is going to be called up, it was—it was just this different kind of. Uh, well,
2: it's, its distinct to him, even though I got to say that it's distinct to him. I have nothing against energy. I have nothing. No, no, against no, me energy. neither. Yeah, I, yeah, you know what I'm I mean. I'm saying that these these the encores, though.
1: Well, because the encores were were a di- they came from the same you know entity with the same language, yeah. but in a different kind of, uh, just a different kind of uh, v- let's say vocalizing of the expression okay. of the same music. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, hmm. they were, for me, rev- revelatory, because then he'd come out and he'd do, like he just did here, two, three you know... Encore. Yeah, because you said this is 2002, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's all around that time he started doing these. And they were just all you know, magnificent. It's the kind of thing where you said, well, if he did 20 of these encores, uh, you know, it, it, it's Great, you know, it's, because you. They, they, you. they had a they're they're sh- short pieces, they had the same beauty, yes, but a, a different kind of elegance because of their right. compactness. It was uh, amazing. made What else have you got amazing. there, Mitch? Uh, you got some stuff. I got some stuff. You yeah, know, we
0: starting to what play last week, and I don't think we got through too much of it. Sweden, uh, we played all of Sweden, okay, which that was stunning. Yeah, that with, was fantastic. fantastic. What Sam Sam year was that? What was that? 69.
1: So the same time as that The Great Concert Yeah, box? exactly. Same uh-huh. tour as far as I same can tour.
0: tell. Yeah. Or not, not the same tour. They were a few months apart. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, Vuppertal.
2: Right. I remember. Okay. okay. Can we just go direct to it?
1: <laughs> you want to that me to shut s- up? Yeah.
2: No, 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 no. I don't want you to <laughs> shut up. No, no.
1: Is that the solo Vuppertal? Solo. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: 97. Yeah. And there's some, I thought of it because there's <laughs> some uh, poetry. On
2: exactly.
1: That's the reason why. Do you why.
0: remember where in that set it lands? In the beginning. It's in the beginning? Great. It's, I'll oh. never forget that. Are you kidding me? Shall how we? you
2: find stuff? Shall yeah. we?
0: Absolutely. All right, Mitch. we're going to get back you. in the KCR chopper. That's Come right. on, That's everybody. Right. That's what I'm talking. You riding shotgun this time, William? I'm trying. William Hooker <laughs> performing Friday night, 7 p.m. Hey, you
1: got a talker up here with you. I'm sorry.
0: At uh, Judson <laughs> Memorial Church, part of the Vision Festival. William Hooker is going to be performing there. Steve Dalchinsky will be on the scene, making the scene like. Practically. And uh, Steve, I want to tell me what I can tell the folks about opportunities to appreciate your work because, in addition to sharing insight and uh, doing my radio announcer job better than I'm doing, you're also a uh, reciter, writer, sharer of. Your poetry.
1: Should I make a shameless plug, then? I'm,
0: it's not, not shameless because I'm inviting you to do okay. that. Well,
1: uh, <laughs> I I have to be real honest. At this point, including a, a, a book I brought to show, uh, Mitch and William of poems I wrote for Cecil, pretty much there's some of my stuff is online, uh, but most of my stuff, like this book and at least a half a dozen others, which I have all of them at the Vision Festival, um, you can basically almost only get through me because they're very tiny publishers. They don't do any distribution. Uh, they make 100, 150 copies. They they go fairly fast. And um, uh, uh, that's both a blessing and a curse that I have to tell people most of the stuff can only be gotten from me. But there's a few... Uh, books that are easily gotten on Amazon and I'll I just got off a, a series of a bunch of readings but I'll be doing one reading um, on June 17th but I sadly forgot the name, it's a little art gallery in the Lower East Side, I'll be reading with, reading with a, a beat poet from the West Coast who was very close to Charles Bukowski named Neely Cherkowski and another wonderful poet named Alan Kaufman and Yuko, my wife, will be uh, reading with us and introducing us, which is her first time as an introducer. Uh, but um, I don't have a website, and I don't want to give out, it's too crazy to give out emails and whatnot, but if anybody of you out there, even though I hate Facebook, I'm on it, you <laughs> can uh, send me a private message, and I can send you more details, that's about all I can say, and that. Shut up, Steve. That's enough of that. Stuff. <laughs> no, that's not Let's not hear more Cecil. Steve yeah. Dalachinsky.
0: Uh, Steve Dalachinsky. The one
2: thing I, I have here I, I, uh, I got this interview, and it says an interview with Cecil Taylor. I never understood how musicians could play music for poets and not read poems. I don't understand musicians who can play for dancers and not know how to dance.
0: We haven't talked about Cecil's dancing.
2: I mean, it's very interesting to me. You are talking about your research. Well, one of the things, before I put words down, I probably have read a thousand words. I have a lot of interests. Dance is certainly one of them. Architecture, particularly structural engineers. I look at basketball. I'm not interested in it, though. I love horses, horse racing. I've never seen a horse race. I did write a poem about Nerev when I saw him dance. I also wrote a poem about Albert Eiler too. I think that for me, the idea is to, I mean, it changes, you know, every 10 years or so. But right now I'm going through this whole thing about making these belated discoveries about mother dear And what that really means is these few years that I have left here to really deal with a certain kind of upward, mobile, bourgeoisie nonsense that entrapped a lot of, but anyway, the poetry saved my life, actually. Can we go to Wuppertal?
0: Wuppertal. Thank you, Mitch. Cecil Taylor on W. KCR. Deep focus. Deep focus.
3: They Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: waiting for a phrase of music to end to interrupt a Cecil Taylor performance, you might be waiting a good long time, but I have to do it because we're uh, closing down to the final ticks of the clock here on Deep Focus tonight. I'm Mitch Goldman. You're listening to WKCR, and what a treat. We are focusing on the music of Cecil Taylor, who is performing there, and we've got the fantastic William Hooker performing. Oh, thank you for inviting yes, me. Yes, Friday night at the Vision Festival at uh, Judson Memorial Church. And the munificent Steve Dalachinsky.
1: Munificent.
0: The explacious Steve <laughs> Dalachinsky.
1: Thank you both for inviting me.
0: The at, at great risk. <laughs> No, that's not what it is. So far, so good.
2: This is surrealism.
0: (laughs) Surrealism at work. And, uh, yeah, we got, this is like our final, uh, final bits of, uh, what what word can I say? I'll say it. Yes, William.
2: Uh, Mitch, thank you for inviting me up. And thank you for having part one and part two of Deep Focus and... um, Allowing me to actually uh, focus in on some of the Cecil Taylor work that I've never ever heard, um, as all of you can probably tell by the um, both times I've been here, uh, Cecil Taylor is a man that's had a very profound effect on me as an artist, and a profound effect on me as a as a drummer, and as a person who's able to see dance, be able to see. Uh, multimedia able to see uh, poetry when there is no poetry able to see a lot of things in a different light as a person who has played every kind of music that there is as a drummer and um thank you cecil taylor i echo thank you cecil taylor uh you know, all those things have happened to me and, and because of this individual. And uh, all I can say is just ride on and just keep doing. As you told me, and I hope, I hope, that, I hope that Cecil Taylor is listening right now, as he said to me, William, just keep doing what you're doing. I intend to. I seriously intend to. I intend to do that because <laughs> based on what you told me, I know that's what I should be doing. I'm taking it right to the heart of the matter. I
1: mean, I got this from the source, and hmm. and that's the way I feel about it. And it's amazing we can say we've had such profound influences in our life yeah. that keep us going. Uh, and lem- I have to say, they do really keep me going. I know that Cecil's one of the people that's kept me going most of my life.
2: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. That's the reason why I invited you up here, man. That's the reason why, because you're real with me, man. I like that. You've been real a long time, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's about it. I mean,
0: um... I'm going to offer a quick word, discographically speaking. The music we've been playing tonight, you cannot find anywhere outside the WKCR archives. But Cecil Taylor has a great wealth of magnificent music. Every bit as good as what we've been listening to that you can find and should find and support and purchase and download and all that good stuff and also you should get out and hear Cecil Taylor in his 10th decade and uh still making music and amazing the world and William Hooker can be found at williamhooker.com
2: Dot, um,
0: yes and I will have uh, my box set at uh, Vision Festival as well. great
1: set it is well, light well,
0: thank you
2: thank you uh yeah it'll be available and uh The main thing I'm imagining right now is just to make sure that the group really propels what is happening because, as Cecil Taylor said, this is a materialistic society and no one ever asked you to be involved in spiritual values. If you are, you have to accept the responsibility of that. And if you're a black man, this is complicated in many, many different ways. Thank you, Mitch. You're welcome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And thank you, Cecil Taylor. I say we, we go give out on the music? Last Thank word you, goes to
0: Cecil Taylor. I'm Mitch Goldman with WKCR FM New York and WKCR HD1. Cecil Taylor in Wuppertal, 1997.
2: Deep focus.